The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. Let's go, baby! Are you ready for a break? Yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Monday, August 6th. 2018 season 14 episode number 22 welcome to another edition of the break live from oxnard california it is a sunny monday it is what is this what just over half the time that we're going to spend out here we're about halfway done before we're heading back home we'll finish up camp next friday august 17th uh, when we'll be heading back to the star um and just so you guys know there's going to be a little bit of a difference in schedule this week and uh and some of next week because we'll have the game this week we'll be traveling to san francisco for that um so just know um that this week you'll have to check the schedule on the website to uh to know when the shows are going to happen because they won't be every day definitely have a show today definitely have a show tomorrow and then it'll get a little wonky here uh for the rest of the week all right how's everybody doing this morning? are you on the show tomorrow i'm not on the show tomorrow I'm not on whatever show might happen Wednesday. I'm not on whatever show might happen Friday. Not on any shows Monday. Then I won't be on any shows on Tuesday. So, so. you're just going <laughs> back. To, you're going back on your <laughs> off-season grind, is what you're well, saying. Pretty much. I got like a lot of meetings and stuff coming up here. So it will cool. be. You guys will be rolling, and that's why. That's, last, that's why. That's why. That's, that's why, why I had wanted you guys host. host. There yeah. we go. That's what a yeah. good leader does. He <laughs> hey, gets whatever. his team you ready prepare to them, go. You prepare them, even when they don't know they're preparing. For, uh, for what the future may hold. Oh, right? my God. <laughs> it's what we do, baby. Jeez. It's what we do. All right. So uh, let's let's get into this and talk a little bit about the uh, yesterday. Cowboys had a blue-white scrimmage. And for those of you guys that didn't see the scrimmage live, you've got to go back and watch it. I actually went back last night, and I saw it live, but I went back and watched the broadcast of it uh, that the team did, and it was really, really good stuff. Not just watching as much as it was just the information that you guys were putting down. Of course, Dave and, and Nick were on, and we had Brian and Nate and Rob and Lindsey were giving sideline reports, and they had interviews with different uh, people that that uh, that are that are part of the executive team of the Cowboys. Um, and then, obviously, you got to see the practice and the scrimmage. So, uh, really, really great stuff. If you have a connected TV device, that's the best way to do it, right there on your television, where you can watch it, um, or you can go to our website or mobile app to be able to watch it as well. But let's talk about that. I want to go down the line, and I want each of you to give me a, an observe, observation uh, that you got uh, that or that you had during that time uh, that you think would be interesting to share. Let's start with you, Nick. Well, I, I hate the word scrimmage, so okay. maybe we would stop calling it that, but they're still going to call it like they have for the last 30, 40 years. They but, are. Uh, was there any tackles out there? Yeah. Was there? I didn't see any tackles. There, there was a couple. Uh, Zeke. Zeke. Give him the ball. He's good. He's good. It doesn't matter. I don't care if they're tackling or two-hand touch or pulling flags or whatever. He was going to have a few big, really big plays in there. That's how big. That's how open some of the blocking was. That's how much he was out in, in, in space. I know there were some other players that really had some standout things, but I think we, we saw again that when he's on the field and he's running the ball, he, how effective he's going to be, and he's going to make number four look better, which is needed right now for him to make him look better, make that whole offense look better. But it, it starts with Zeke. I thought he did a nice job yesterday. Ambar. No, sorry. <laughs> go ahead. I just – no, go ahead. No, and one of the things that you mentioned the other day and you pointed it out yesterday again was when 
the defender comes running up to Zeke and basically taps him. And he's like, oh, down. I tackled yeah. you. Down. And you know that Zeke, that, that's not going to stop Zeke. Right. He, he's going to get those extra yards, if not finish the run completely. So that that's always something to keep in mind and, and to figure out, okay, sometimes – the defense is not necessarily as great as we think it is just because they're not able to go full on with it or vice versa. The offense is not as great. Certain players, of course. But anyways, one of the things, Dan Bailey didn't miss anything yesterday. That was good. It's true. So good. Yeah, a, a good, a good uh, day for Dan Bailey. Aside from that, um, one of the things I noticed, Rico, and I, I always t- talk <laughs> about him. I mentioned him yesterday. He he has been playing well, and you got to give him that. He makes those catches, and I have, I believe, in the preseason game, he's going to make certain catches, probably get a few touchdowns, and then everyone's going to get on the he- Rico hype train again. And then he's like, oh, let's go. We got this awesome tight end, ex-basketball player. Blah, blah, blah. But I don't know. Uh, uh, we'll see what happens there and if the Cowboys finally do decide to utilize him. But as of right now, he, he's looking good at certain times. I can't help but share this story, even though Nick already touched on Zeke. But it is it is hard to gauge a running back in these practices when a defender, all he has to do is shove him to end the play, which is why – it was so impressive. Zeke scored from 20 yards out yesterday in a in a non-tackle practice. I mean, that think about the think about what that means. Jeff Heath didn't touch him until he was on the 1-yard line from the 20. I mean, against in the NFL, that's crazy. I, I mean, he he looks awesome out there. He actually had a couple over there in the in the far end zone over here. Uh, he had a couple runs that were back to back where he was he I don't know if he was that he may have been a little bit closer than that, but on both the back to back runs he got right down to to the end zone without anybody touching. He put yeah. the ball across him both times. Yeah. Is that the play you're talking yes. about? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And there was another one right after that one. Same thing, right? Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, Tavon Austin. He. I mean, Jeez. he was good. He he scares me because I don't. A short guy that can jump. It's true. You're right. Not me. I'm, I was about I'm, to say. I'm, no. I'm probably <laughs> talking about Dave here. Probably talking about a 16 inch vertical for me. But <laughs> Tavon's is a little better. Really? Yeah. You can go higher than that. Um. I I'm afraid of falling in love with this guy and having it not pan out. Yeah. Like you know, I mean, you know, people. I would like to think they they weigh our words at least somewhat heavily. Like we're not lying to you. This guy looks awesome out here, but I want to see it translate so bad because he's doing everything. Like the first play of of red zone with the first team, he took an end around. He ran out of space on the sideline and cut it back. Sort of got Taco Charlton hurt in the process, but that's okay. <laughs> he was fine. <laughs> cut it upfield, picked up a, like 12 yards. Uh, Five minutes later, he caught an inside slant, I think, on uh, Byron Jones. I don't remember. And then two minutes after that with the second team, he went downfield, and that's what Amber's talking about. He skied over Charvarius Ward and literally took the ball off his helmet and scored a touchdown. Uh, And that was from the X position. He did it on the outside, downfield, 20 yards downfield. Um, He did a little bit of everything, and that's not even including special teams. I mean, I'm excited about what he might be. I just hope it translates to the season. Yeah, you know what scares me is I look at him out here, and it's kind of what you're saying. I look at him out here, and he looks so good out here. And then I keep in the back of my mind thinking, why hasn't he become mm-hmm. that yeah. great receiver mm-hmm. with the Rams? Like, he's he's always obviously had this ability. He's always been fast, extremely fast. 
why hasn't it been better? Why hasn't his career been better? And so that's what keeps keeps me kind of at arm's length. Absolutely. I just don't know. I just don't know. But my hope is that for a lot of those years, he didn't really probably have a greatest quarterback op, op, you know, playing with him. Uh, the Rams just now got to the point where you could say they got a pretty good quarterback. Uh, so they, they had some years there where you couldn't really trust that. But all in all, that's the part that makes you a little nervous, but you got to like what you're seeing so far. Yeah, as long as your expectations aren't, um, you know, number seventh overall pick. That that's what what I think got him in trouble there with with the Rams, and and rightfully so. You draft a guy that high, he's got to be a a dynamic, you know, catalytic player every single time. And he, you know, he's, he's banged up some, but he comes over here, and if he can be this role player, gadget type guy that gets the ball, he goes down the field some, side to side some, punt return some, and you're not counting on him to just absolutely be the savior of your offense or special teams. Then I think you got a really good role player. We see it a lot in the NBA, it, where you see a guy drafted eighth overall. He's not good enough to do that. He goes to another team. He's a bust. He goes to another team. He's the sixth man, seventh man off the bench. He's a really good role player. Yeah. That's where he should have been all along. But the first team had to justify drafting him that way yeah. and playing him that way. If he's your third best player, you're great. He's a second round if, pick. If he is the best player you got on your offense, you're probably in a little bit of trouble. He reminds me a lot of Reggie Bush from my days as a Saints fan. Uh, just, yeah. I mean, which, you know, Reggie, obviously, he was a running back. He took the ball. Yeah. He took handoffs a lot more. But for where he was drafted, he's a disappointing player. He's the number two overall pick. He was a nice complement to that offense yep. and had a very nice career in a lot of different ways. And that's why his rookie year was the year that impressed everybody because he wasn't counted on to be the man, right. but he made some plays that were phenomenal for them a, that year. He was a crucial piece of the Super Bowl team. He just wasn't yeah. the guy. Leonard yeah. Davis. Leonard Davis was a guy that Cowboy fans will remember. Number two overall pick for the Raiders. Um, no, Cardinals, sorry, for the Cardinals. Um, and, and drafted, you know, to play left tackle because he's, you know, you got to take him, you know, that big guy. And he wasn't a tackle. He was a guard. He goes to the Cowboys in free agency, made three Pro Bowls. You know, so it, sometimes it takes a second stop to kind of figure out exactly what your role is. And maybe this is it for him. I like the fact that we saw him down the field. You saw him go east-west. And from what I hear from uh, talking to the special teams coach, Keith O'Quinn, he's like, we don't need to see him in the, in the punt return in the preseason. We know what he's going to do. 14 is going to be back there. Lance Lenore, he's going to be – hold your breath on that one. He's going to be doing the punt return uh, duties for a while. And then, What? Yeah, I mean, he, he's that's not his thing. I mean, that's not his forte. He's doing great things other at receiver, but, uh, you know, he struggled a little bit. Punt return. Let's see if he's better this year. I'm glad you brought up that name because those were – there were a couple names that, that you guys obviously didn't mention. You mentioned the names you did. But uh, I do want to talk a little bit about what Lance Lenore. He made an outstanding catch yesterday. I thought he had a pretty good day. Um, and then talk about the defense uh, because it, it started off, the offense was just humming there at the beginning of the of the practice. By the time you got to about midway through and the later part, the defense started coming on. They got several interceptions. Anthony Brown got a pick. Talk about talk about those two. Talk about uh, Lance Lenore, and then talk about that defense, particularly the secondary and how they performed in the second half of practice. What did you say? I didn't hear what you said. I was just, I just basically say like once Chaz got in there on offense, you know, that defense started picking up. <laughs> was a that bit. Chaz's fault? Well, it's the second team offensive <laughs> line. I mean, it's the second team offense. I mean, great offensive line, very. Below average, I guess that you would say. I mean, none. We, we talked about it yesterday. None of these offensive linemen really. You think, oh, he's going to make it. I mean, Looney's pretty good. Yeah. But he actually got to work with the first team because Frederick was was being held out. So, 
it's just a huge drop off. Of course it is. I mean, you can't draft all these first round linemen and then all of a sudden so think that the <laughs> second round is, is good. But yeah, yeah, the defense picked it up. Sorry. No, they didn't. Uh, well, for, I mean, I think I said on our on the TV broadcast yesterday, like it's just it's fallen into place for Lenore like a game of you know like the way Tetris lines up when you're good at Tetris. Like it's all just fallen into place. Um, he made an outstanding catch on a fade route in the back corner of the end zone. He just keeps doing. I mean, he does all the little stuff right, but then he usually makes an eye-catching play at least once per practice. Um, it's early. I mean, we haven't played a game, and we know he had his struggles in the games last year. Um, you know, I, I want to see what it's like when Noah Brown comes back, and, and there's going to be some competition from other guys. That, that's the problem is it's so competitive, and there's so few spots. Uh, I feel really good about the work that he's done, but he's, I mean, he, he's got to keep it up. He just bores me. I don't know what it is. Really? Yeah. Why? Because he doesn't. <laughs> You know what? Because he doesn't do anything like one thing, like outstanding to me, which which catches every freaking thing they throw at him. It seems like I'm with you, Nick, That's on good. this one. It's like I see him being a great player during like preseason games, but then regular no. season comes, and I'm just like, uh. and that's nothing against him. That's nothing no. against him. It's probably more on me. I just like you know, and you see, oh, you want, oh, he runs a four-two-five, or he's six-three, or he's Noah Brown. And he's like really strong. He's the best blocker. I don't see Lance Lenore as the best, or even the top one or two of any of the of the skill sets, other than. Show up at work every single day in the off season and, and catch every pass. I mean, he he did do that, which is why he's probably in this boat right now. That's I mean, that's probably what Dak Prescott is looking for. Like I that's we true. we roll our eyes at you know like after practice, like the guys lie on the ground and catch the ball, and you're like, all right, are you are you do really working at this, or are you doing this for show? And you know he's there every day during the off season, like, but you see it have results. Case in point, like maybe one of my favorite plays at training camp last week. He runs a dig route. He literally slipped and fell, fell on his butt, got up just enough to pick his arms up. The ball was already coming at him, and he caught it from his butt, basically. It was a fantastic – and it, I mean, it was only an eight-yard gain, but it's just that's Don't the res, that's the result of working every single day of the offseason. And, no, you're – I mean, he's not the biggest. He doesn't make the most highlight plays, but he can play every position in the offense, and I haven't seen him drop a ball since we got out here. I think, to me, when it comes down to it, if Lance Lenore's sitting there like, you know what, we can keep Lenore, I just have this feeling, and maybe I'm wrong, but I just have this feeling that of all the guys that are going to get cut on that Saturday of receivers, I just have feel like there's going to be a lot of them better than him. They won't know the offense, so that I I'll say that Bryce Butler every every single year we fall for a guy who we're like there's no way he gets through waivers there's just no way and then <laughs> yeah. they cut him and he gets through waivers not saying it's not possible like he could be a great practice squad addition but to to my point like when it comes time for that conversation yeah I can I can easily imagine a conversation where Dak Prescott is like yeah okay that guy's more talented like I trust this guy mm -hmm. I he can do everything we need him to do in the offense and I know where he's gonna be and I know he's gonna catch it when I throw it to and him and that is the definition of Dak for me. absolutely yep. that's it and that's I trust 14 to be where I need him to be I didn't always trust all of the other guys to be exactly where I need him to be not where the play needs to be, it's where I need him to be. I think I've said this before already on this show, but I really think if Lance Lenore makes this team, it's going to tell us a lot about the sway that Dak has. I just yeah, think it means that he's got some pull in that room because that's the main reason to keep him is because he works well with Dak and he catches the ball. If the offense is built around running the ball and using the passing game as necessary, it is important to have 
receiving threats that are able to get open to catch that third and six ball and be reliably get open and catch it, right? And so that's where a guy like Lance Lenore makes a ton more sense than even a guy, say, like Des Bryant, who is – can make those spectacular plays, but as we saw last year, may not be as consistently uh, – it may not consistently catch that slant route just to get you the first not, down. Right? I'm not there yet with no, the no, Lance no. Lenore I, no, versus no, 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 no. You, you're misunderstanding. I, I'm not trying to say Lance Lenore is better than, than, I, I know. than him. I'm saying the point is if you think about the philosophy and how the team is right. progressing at the wide receiver position, I think they've made the decision we prefer to have those less flashy, less – Right. And I don't even want to say less talented, but guys that may not be able to make some of those spectacular plays if they can be just consistently where they're supposed to be and catch the ball in those in those those critical downs. Like that's what I think they're looking for. Let's go. Let's go back to Rico really quick and, and Amber's point about how well he's looking. He's looking. He's doing a nice job in the red zone. He plays the game like a basketball player, especially in that red zone. He kind of finds just like you would if you were posting up. You know, you, you use that big body. You look for the holes. You find it, and, and you, you, you know, get that your frame ready to make the catch. Can they get there to the red zone with him is the question. Can he be a, a tight end that can help them in between the 20s where, you know, it's third and four at midfield, can he make those necessary blocks and plays like that? Down in the red zone, he could be a weapon. Is that worthy enough to just have him on the roster just for those type of things? You know, yes, he can do well right there, but can he be an every down type of tight end to justify his spot? Well, the one thing I will say about that is right now, I don't think the, the area where you would say he's deficient in blocking, there aren't a lot of other guys here at the tight end position who do it well. Not here. So, uh, yeah, but but yeah. so my point is when you start comparing him, I think you're going to be comparing these guys and saying, okay, who's best at cat, pe- catching passes? Who's best in the red zone? Who's best at blocking? I think he's going to fit favorably in a lot of those categories. Blocking yeah. may not be it, but I don't know that there are a lot of other guys who do. What if we don't make him an every down tight end? Like, what if – would it be possible to just carve out a meaningful enough role for Rico on special teams to where he can be useful in that regard and yes. then he only comes in the game once you get to, like, the 25-yard line? I'm all in on that. That doesn't sound like anything Jason Garrett would ever entertain. but Unless, of course, you don't have a guy like Jason Witten, you're having to piecemeal it. Sure. Yeah. Tell, tell me that if somebody's kicking a 54-yard field goal that he can't stand three steps behind – the nose tackle one two three jump that is going to be a very tough that's going to be a tough roadblock for any kicker he's tall and he can jump he's tall he's wide and yeah. he can jump he will block a couple of kicks if they put him there he will i mean that 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 right there is a weapon especially long kicks where it has to be a little more it's, level yeah, yeah exactly. absolutely I, right now it's easy for me to not put rico on a 53 man projection right now but if he plays like he did in the preseason again yeah uh, and especially like based on you know most you know these tight ends haven't been that impressive for the most part. It's going to be hard to justify it. Even he might be the worst blocker in the world, but if he once again proves he can do that, it's hard to say like, well, these guys aren't good blockers either. But we're keeping them over you. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's just the truth. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Dak Prescott. Uh, yesterday in practice, I thought it was a pretty good practice for him, but I want to hear what you guys have to say about get- that. And we're going to talk a little bit more about just overall where Dak is uh, as far as his development. Uh, and we'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. It can be hard to find the right resource for learning about important financial matters. You search how to build savings, you end up reading about the one weird ingredient from supermarkets that can make you taller. 
That's why Bank of America built BetterMoneyHabits.com, a safe little corner of the internet for answering your financial questions. Full of simple videos and tips, Better Money Habits can show you how to make the most of your money without resorting to random searches that always seem to lead to unbelievable photos of childhood stars grown up. To learn more, visit BetterMoneyHabits.com. I definitely have an Instagram foodie thing, but the low-light camera on my new Samsung Galaxy S9 from AT&T is getting me a whole new world of likes and shares. Baskets of bread by candlelight, colorful fruit plates in full sun, even a dimly lit Cobb salad was recently hailed as a masterpiece. Come in now and ask how to get half off the new Samsung Galaxy S9 from AT&T. AT&T, more for your thing. That's our thing. Limited time only. See store for details or att.com slash Samsung 50. Dual aperture supports F1.5 mode and F2.4 mode. Dual aperture is installed on the rear camera. Oh, I am craving a Dr. Pepper. I got some soda. I asked not for soda. I asked for ice cold, craveable Dr. Pepper. Its flavor is more one-of-a-kind than a foretold sloth with a thirst for speed. So stop settling for soda and start demanding Dr. Pepper. I love sloths. When you crave a Dr. Pepper, nothing else will do. Grab an ice-cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper today. Dr. Pepper, the one you crave. To work this big land, you need equipment with values rooted as deep in Texas soil as you are. Like John Deere compact tractors with a six-year powertrain warranty and big features that help you work less so you have more time to do what you love. John Deere was first in the Texas fields and we're proud to be on the field as the official ag and turf equipment of the Dallas Cowboys. Find Texas-sized deals at myjohndeerdealer.com slash football. Terms, conditions, exclusions, and warranty limitations apply. See dealer for details. Back to the break. Welcome back. It's the second segment of The Break Live from Oxnard, California's training camp. And uh, we're going to talk about Dak Prescott, the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. Um, yesterday when we were on our show, I think it was yesterday, it was, yesterday, it was either yesterday or Friday, um, I made mention of the fact that I hadn't really seen a throw yet uh, during this camp that just wowed me uh, from Dak Prescott. Then yesterday on Q. Uh, he has several of them, I thought. Um, yesterday, there were a few throws he made here in the end zone uh, that, to me, were pinpoint accurate. I know one's particularly to Jeff Swaim. Swaim was covered really well, and he put the ball right where it needed mm-hmm. to be for Swaim to make the catch and get in the end zone. And I was, I, I said immediately, wow, that's the kind of throw that I wanted to see that I hadn't necessarily seen a lot of. Um, and it may also go to kind of what you guys were saying. Dak Prescott is a gamer. When the lights come on, which yesterday there were a lot more cameras, a lot more people, maybe that kind of sparked him a little bit. But what did you guys think? Just overall, what did you guys think of Dak's performance yesterday during the uh, during the practice and scrimmage? I thought it was uh, a nice little microcosm of what his camp has looked like. Yeah, I mean, the throw to Swain was great. Uh, he ha- he made some really nice plays. He had a uh, you know a ge- he had a throw on the run where when he does that, he almost always looks good. He telegraphed the ball to Cole Beasley that Anthony Brown returned for a pick six. Um, the he had a, his his second pick really was much less his fault, although you could argue it could have been more accurate. It was tipped yeah. by Anthony Brown and <laughs> Jeff Heath in the clutch like he always does. He was on the run on that one too, which yeah. was a little bit like I noticed that he was on the run. He was trying to loft it downfield and just uh, couldn't get it there. Yeah. Uh, so like I said, I mean it was it was a nice little microcosm. He had some really nice throws. He had two interceptions. Uh, the offense looked good. The offense stalled out a little bit at times. Uh, he talked to the media afterwards and kind of said the same thing, you know. Um, he's he's had some really good throws. He's had some throws he'd like back. Uh, he's trying to be more adventurous since it's a practice setting, which I encourage. Um, and so it's it, it hasn't been all perfect. It certainly hasn't been terrible by any stretch of the imagination. It's, it's right in between. 
in my opinion. What do you think? <laughs> you always use that word. What? By any stretch of the imagination. I repeat Every myself. show. <laughs> Every show? Really? Every show All you right. say that. Anyways, um, you know what? My appreciation for the game and the throwing the ball has absolutely changed ever since I picked up a football and tried to throw it myself. <laughs> so Not as easy <laughs> as it looks? <laughs> no, <laughs> it is not. So just because I've been doing that for a couple of days and throwing the ball around yesterday, everything I saw was like, oh, my God, that that is pretty amazing. And that ball that you were talking about to Jeff Swain – I was standing there, um, and I saw the ball just coming right at me, like right in front of me, and I was just amazed. Like, had Jeff not caught that, that ball would have hit me right in the face because I was, like, hypnotized by it and how pretty it looked and how precise and how well it was turning around. <laughs> so, anyways, just to say, yesterday, uh, everything that I saw from Dak was pretty good. He had a few mistakes, but overall, good. We say all the time that Dak, like, throwing people open is something he hasn't quite developed. He threw Swaim open on that play. Yeah, no so, doubt. Anyway. Nick but but what makes me – sorry. Right. What makes me wonder, though, it's like uh, at times, you know, he <sighs> – this has been happening over when the O-line isn't there necessarily and he's throwing passes, how long it takes him sometimes to throw the, make that throw. You know, like some of these guys getting open, it doesn't really – they don't get open that quickly. And it makes me wonder during the game, in, in an actual game, if that's going to become an issue because you're not going to have that much time as you go and run around, you know? Uh, good point. You're right about that. And I think that you have to kind of figure out what drill that is. Sometimes on those seven-on-sevens when the linebacker is sitting there, there's no offensive line, they know it's pass all the way. They, they, they know. He doesn't ever have to worry the linebackers about maybe a, a fake to Zeke draw play or anything like that so I do think they have a little bit of advantage on some of those plays so I'm okay with him holding it a little bit longer because that's when you put all 11 out there that that's what you know things change but you're right on these one-on-one drills these guys run like a triple move down the field cut back cut you know slant here then go deep and I'm like yeah this offensive line this <laughs> offensive line is good but not yeah. that good yeah you know so you, you're right but but as Dave's point earlier about Dak I mean this is the time you know, practice is for that stuff. Practice is to force it in yeah. there. You know, if you get a pick, okay, you get a pick. Your your practice rating's not going to go down because there isn't. And you no know, hopefully in a game, maybe I'll do that, right? But but if you force the ball in to practice seven times to Jeff Swain and he caught six of them, that is what practice is for. That helps you. That this guy's going to go make a play. Yep. At some point, somebody for the Cardinals realized Larry Fitzgerald's going to go and catch the ball, and I, I I can throw it to him as I can't throw it to this number thirteen yep. guy over yep. here. You know, so that's what practice is for. And I'm and I think you know I think it's a good point. Dak actually had a really you know, I just I remembered this. Dak just had he had a, a nice quote, um, you know, talking to the media after practice said I think I figured out last year. Uh, some of the throws I can make and some of the throws I can't make in practice, and then obviously I learned some lessons in the season. Uh, at this point, it's about going out there and making the right throw in the right situation every time. Sometimes that means checking it down. Sometimes that means letting it rip. And uh, I think that's absolutely right. And yeah. this is a setting where you learn those types of yep. things on top. Of, I mean, hey, to his point, it hurts way more when it happens in a game, as we saw, yeah. especially in the second half. Yeah. Um, but sorry. But just sometimes, you know, this whole thing's covered with – you know, we, we put the scrimmage, which is, isn't even really a scrimmage, we put it 
live on, on, on the Internet and like everyone's, you know, watching it and, and getting excited. And, and I'm not saying that they shouldn't, but then, then you got people charting plays and, and what his rating is and all that stuff. And, and really, it's still practice. It's still practice. And so it's easy to say, yeah, he threw a pick here or he threw a touchdown here. But, you know, it's still th- – there's a reason why that the coaches call certain plays the way it is. I remember Parcells in the preseason, we used to be like, you know, third and eight from the 35-yard line, he'd run a draw. And I'm like – well, you know, why? Because um, he wants to see his kicker kick a 55-yard field goal. That's why. You know, you, you want to see certain situations. So, yeah. All right, so let's let's take the conversation a little bit deeper on Dak. I've, I've just noticed over the last couple days, uh, and this is, again, Twitter can never be the baseline because we know on Twitter everybody has an opinion, and typically the most vocal are not always representative of what most people think. But there's been kind of this, I sense, kind of this, general thought that Dak isn't that that Dak isn't going to be what the Cowboys want him to be for his career take that as you may but it did bring up the question for me of do we think that Dak at this point is developmentally where he should be entering his third year we know he had the phenomenal first year Um, last year wasn't what he would have wanted it to be there were some good things and some bad things that we've seen throughout his career but it's only been two years of playing do you think right now developmentally he's where he should be or do you think he's below that or above that uh Dak is absolutely where he's supposed to be or maybe better than that and to really to to take it all into you have to put it all in context like the whole thing he's not as well developed like I mean Carson Wentz is the perfect uh person to put him against and and fittingly so because he's the quarterback of their biggest rival but one of those guys was the number two overall pick in the draft, and one was 135. Uh, he's a fourth-round pick. Regardless of how much he surprised everyone, he was still a fourth-round pick for a reason. Which there. meant his skills weren't what the second-round pick Absolutely. The second pick was. He, yeah. he, he was not accurate. He was coming from a college system that doesn't translate well to the pros. Uh, he, he he had deficiencies. Otherwise, he would have been picked where Carson Wentz was picked. That's the way this. It's it's not. I mean, I know there are crazy stories in the in the draft every year, and I I think Dak is he already has, but will continue to outplay his draft slot. But these people know what they're doing. He, Dak would have been talked about as a top ten prospect if he had that type of skill set. Um, so in in two years, you've seen them come to light. You've, I mean, I'm not trying to sugarcoat it. He's got problems with downfield accuracy. That's a thing. Uh, but it's the other things he does well, intangibles as well as mechanics, uh, that lead to him to be successful, particularly when he's put into an offense like this. I think he's absolutely fine. But let's answer the question of what you're really asking or the next one. And because and you're right, I mean, surprised we all are surprised when he was drafted to say, oh, he was going to be rookie of the year and he's going to be you know start all this many you know every game pretty much. But now the question's different. You give him 100 million, you give him 150 million, whatever it is. Can you do that? Can you give him this money? Because we said it yesterday, we've said it for a while. When Zeke's out there, man, they can be really good and he's really good. When it's just him. I don't know. And those great quarterbacks, and I know there's a lot of good quarterbacks that get a lot of money, so you don't have to, you know, I get that. But but the great ones, they're the ones making the other guys better, not the other way around. But how many of those guys were developmentally better than Dak is entering their third season in the NFL. I think that's the point I'm getting to more than anything else is, is is when you look at the at the at the timeline of a quarterback from start to finish, typically 
and let's talk about the good ones. Let's talk about the great ones, right? Is he on chart to be able to be one of those guys, I, or do you think he's below is, that or above? This that? is game three of of a, of a series. Mm-hmm. They they won game one easily. They they got they lost a close one in game two. Now this is game three. This is like an NBA series right now. I know I keep making basketball references, but I'm just saying go, the Nick. jury's out. The jury's out because last year the defensive coordinators got the upper hand on him. Now he'll see if he can come back. So, yeah, his development was really good. And then they're like, whoa, 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 let's figure, let's figure this out. And it all started with Minnesota. If you really think about it, his rookie year, Zimmer and those guys, they figured that's it when it all started to change and said, beat me over the top, which they did that game. Dez got a big play in there. Yep. But I think it was like, do it again and mm-hmm. do it again. And you're not going to give if you. that's all we're going to give you, right. can you do it can all game it long? Yeah. Here's so. there. I mean, there is precedent for quarterbacks getting that type of money at this stage in their career. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers got a nice contract extension before he had a lot of experience starting just because he spent so much time on the bench. He was also a first-round pick. Yeah. Uh, and that's – I think, honestly, that's where this schism, in the opinion of Dak Prescott, starts is that uh, he took the job of a polished veteran quarterback who – Maybe he's not as good as Aaron Rodgers, but he had a comparable game. He's that type of quarterback who can shoulder the load and and make a team relevant regardless of how much talent is around him. Newsflash, he's not that quarterback. He, he might be one day. He's not. And that's, again, there are basically, I think, there are people who understand that and people who basically feel, you took Tony's job, you need to be Tony right, right. now. I mean, now, you're the quarterback of the Cowboys. I don't have time for you to develop. Uh, and I don't buy that because, again, um, you know, I always go back to Russell Wilson. I don't know if he's going to turn into Russell Wilson because I probably would have voted for him to win MVP last year. I don't know if Dak will ever be that. But the trajectory is similar. Russell Wilson did not do everything himself for the first two-plus years of his career. Honestly, when they won their Super Bowl, he was he was good, but he was not the thing that's he was not the straw that stirred yeah. that drink. You talk about maybe the best quarterback in the history of the NFL, Tom Brady. It was the same thing. Yeah. Like when they were winning early on, that was all about the fact that they could run the ball and they had a great defense. Like that was how they played, and and he didn't have to make right. a lot of great throws because they had those other two things, and they were okay with punting. Like that's okay. But, but like Russell Wilson, like. He's not good enough right now to, to carry that team, you know, to where they want to go. Well, it, maybe not. We'll see. It's similar to Tony. I mean, he's yeah. good enough with right. the talent they have. He made, makes them competitive. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes, he does make them competitive. And he, he needs some, some help, just like he needs an outstanding defense or a good running game or both and all that stuff. And that's – most quarterbacks are the same way. There's only really a couple – that you can just kind of give them whatever, and then they're like, oh, the James Jones? Like, oh, he's great. And those you are know? your all-time great quarterbacks in the history great. of the league. And the reality is you can't afford to be that picky because guess what? You don't want to go back to the days when you got Quincy Carter and Chad no. Hutchinson. When you got a quarterback, it was the reason why I thought Washington was so – the whole situation in Washington is weird. If you have a quarterback that even though he's not great, Kirk Cousins wasn't great, but when you find a quarterback that's – pretty good sometimes you just have to develop them and keep working with them because you don't want to go back to not having a quarterback at all and then you're in that bottom part of league that has no shot at winning at all which and the other thing I think is worth talking about is yeah a decision's coming on what to do with Dak in terms of money that doesn't mean that the Cowboys are going to have to set the quarterback market to keep him right I mean that you know that's again too many things are black and white there's gray area there if Dak has a solid season but they don't win the Super Bowl 
you could sign him to a new deal that will put him in a respectable territory, fairly compensate him. The same thing, the, the Seahawks did not set the market with Russell Wilson after they won a Super Bowl. Right. They paid him fairly for a third-round pick who had led them to a championship. You can pay Dak without completely ruining your cap. Like, you can do both of those well, things. It, it, this is something that helps Dak, and, and I know I've thrown out this stat before. The, the top five quarterbacks in the NFL in terms of salary right now only one of them has won a playoff game. So of the four of the five, and, and three of them actually have a losing record. So you can, I mean, guys can make money. Uh, in this yeah, and that goes back to what I was saying about when you get one that's pretty good, sometimes you feel like you got to keep them, and you got to pay market rate to keep them yeah. because you can't go back to not having a Stafford, quarterback at all. Stafford, Cousins. Yeah. My hope Carr, for Derek Carr, Garoppolo. I mean, those guys. Have I think you're asking this question a little too early. It's too soon to know. We know that the Cowboys are 100% invested on Dak Prescott and they've done anything, everything they can do to cater to him and his mm -hmm. necessities. Now, we know that Dak, given the time that he's been here, he's not necessarily a great practice guy. He hasn't been and every time he goes into a game, it's absolutely different than what we see at practice. This year here at training camp, everything I've seen, if he's a lot better than that, than what we've seen here so far during a game day, I think he's going to be really good this year based on what I've seen thus far. And I don't know. We, we just need to wait until a real game to see and really find out because we can't judge by practice. We know that that's, that's, that doesn't give you the right result. My, my hope for Dak Prescott is that he can continue to be what he's been and better, which is to say – a quarterback who can play mistake-free, be a good leader, occasionally make a highlight-worthy play, and just generally lead the offense that is centered around the line and Zeke. I feel like people view it as a knock that he's not the type of quarterback that can carry a whole team right now. I, I don't view it that way. I think he plays a crucial role in the way the team is constructed. If he can keep doing that, they will win games and compete for playoff spots and hopefully, as he continues to progress, he can become that type of quarterback in the next two to four years. And if that involves paying him, again, I don't think you have to cripple your team to do that. You know, something that I love is the fact, okay, yes, he took Romo's job, basically, and the fact that Jason Witten had so much respect for Dak Prescott, and we know how close Jason and Romo were. Mm -hmm. The fact that this young guy came in, was able to gain all that respect from Jason Witten, get along, and be all on the same track, I mean – that, to me, is a great endorsement just by Jason Witten. So I'm 100% confident that Dak is going to shine and he's going to stay here for a while. All right, we're going to take our final break. We come back. Let's get some questions. The number is 972-497-4400. Again, it is 972-497-4400. We want to hear from you guys. What do you have to talk about? Any question on any topic, we'll hit it. When we come right back, this is DallasCowboys.com Radio. Cowboys fans know that the second best of anything simply won't cut it, and your skincare should be no different. A longtime locker room favorite of the players and the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Dallas-based Jack Black, is the number one best-selling men's skincare brand in the country because we make products that help guys look, smell, and feel better. Visit GetJackBlack.com slash Cowboys to get $10 off your first order of $50 or more. Jack Black, look good, smell good, feel good. Good. Official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys. 
Star Sports Tours is the only official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, offering exclusive game weekend travel packages with sideline access and photo ops with current players, alumni, and cheerleaders. That's not all, though. You'll get to talk X's and O's with Senior Director of Player Personnel Will McClay and, of course, with yours truly, me, Brian Broaddus. You can trust the official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and with us, you'll travel like a pro. Visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com slash cowboys. I definitely have an Instagram foodie thing, but the low-light camera on my new Samsung Galaxy S9 from AT&T is getting me a whole new world of likes and shares. Baskets of bread by candlelight, colorful fruit plates in full sun, even a dimly lit Cobb salad was recently hailed as a masterpiece. Come in now and ask how to get half off the new Samsung Galaxy S9 from AT&T. AT&T, more for your thing. That's our thing. Limited time only. See store for details or att.com slash Samsung 50. The dual aperture supports F1.5 mode and F2.4 mode. Dual aperture is installed on the rear camera. Back to the break. Welcome back. It is the final segment of the break. We appreciate you guys taking some time with us today. Dave, take it away. Here's the thing. I'll be quick. Underwear is important. Uh, you wear it every day, so you want something that's good and comfortable, which is why you should wear Tommy John. Wear it all the time. I think it's awesome. Go to TommyJohn.com forward slash Cowboys, and you'll get a nice little discount. Uh, and thank me later. And you will thank him later. You will. You absolutely will. I wouldn't be this, uh, I wouldn't be this willing to endorse it if, if I didn't think it was good. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of products that we get. I'm very happily, I very happily talk about you can, Tommy John. You can tell how I feel about something I'm talking about based on how excited I am. And Tommy John does that for me, Amber, just so you know. And for women. I was about to say, and for women. I'm not endorsing anything because I have not put them on. So That's fair. they need to send All me right. some. We're going to have to get that hooked up for you so you can talk about the greatness of Tommy John as well. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's jump into some calls. Before we do that, though, I wanted to make mention we uh, had the poll. And it, I put the poll on, on, the, on the app um, asking the question, do you think Dak is where he should be developmentally? Uh, entering year three. I want to hear this. And here's the interesting thing. It's been all over the map, first of all. it's it was it's At one point, it was really high. At one point, it was really low. Uh, but where it is right now, 94% of the people say yes. Only 6% say no. <clears throat> so I think, at least for where the poll is right now, I think the majority, the vast majority, believe he's on track with where he should be developmentally. Is this and targeted to Mississippi only? <laughs> probably not. 94 no, people, 94 across the world. of the Cowboy fans think that he is As of now. Track? Now, this thing Nin kind of bounces around. 94% yeah. of Cowboys fans listening to this, That's which true. is, yes. I mean, no, I mean, sorry, the rest of Cowboys Nation, but you're smarter than them if you listen to this on a regular basis. You just are. Wait, what? Huh? People who listen to our shows are, are smarter. more yes. informed and smarter than Joe and Flowermount. Got it. That's exactly right. But anyway, I thought that was an interesting thing. I was expecting maybe the opposite, just seeing kind of comments I've seen on Twitter. But, again, as, as I preface this conversation, sometimes what you yeah. see on Twitter is just the vocal minority that and really is, is not the representative. It's, it's like, it's like with, with Romo, you know, after his second or third year, you're not an undrafted quarterback from, from Eastern Illinois anymore. You are uh, the franchise 
quarterback. And that's kind of where it is with, with Dak. And so, you know, no longer is he just that guy that's like, oh, wow, fourth-round pick. He surprised it. Now it's, you know, now you've gotten wide receivers cut and you've got other players have made decisions based off of you being here. So now it's time you, you're the guy. And I think Amber said it earlier. It, you know, it, it, you are – the quarterback they're giving everything for you to to be successful so you know you're, you're no longer the young guy i uh sorry i this is dumb but i i don't know what T- dak and tony's relationship is like now like i i couldn't even begin to guess like the last time they communicated but i like to think like i don't know maybe dak would send romo a text just like dude I, I get it. Or I get it now. And Romo's like, yeah, it's it's cool, dude. Oh, this camp, he's he's and it's it's That's not what I'm just saying. it's the off oh, the field stuff. It's don't. the whole thing. When you are the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, guess what? Yeah, there will be I, a lot I mean, of stuff coming your way. You better be ready to deal with it. He's making a lot of money to play football, but I mean, the guy the guy can't really win right now on a variety of fronts. So. Yeah. He w- when he was answering a question yesterday, he said, "Oh yeah, this young guy is coming in." Isn't that weird? <laughs> That's so weird. Him saying the kids? He, yeah, him calling <laughs> these other guys young guys. I'm like, what? He's ancient by NFL Man. standards. <laughs> right. right. We're getting ready for his retirement party. Yeah. All right, let's get to uh, some questions. we got to call. If you guys want to call us, you can call us at 972-497-4400. Again, 972-497-4400. we got a call from Hakeem in Virginia. Hakeem, what up? Hey, what's up, guys? How hey. you doing, man? Hey. Uh, I'm from, I mean, I was raised in Virginia, but Dave, I'm born and raised in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Let's so shout go! Out. <laughs> shout out the but, boot! Uh, <laughs> but um, I wanted to ask a question. Um, you guys, you know, Nick and Derek, you guys can probably speak to this because you guys have been there a long time. Uh, you guys see what goes on behind the scenes, but, you know, in the outside world, you know, fans and media and all these talk shows and all these, I mean, there's a, a bunch of media people, they say that, you know, Jerry... And, you know, he likes to hire head coaches that he can, you know, that doesn't have like, um, that's not like, you know, rah-rah guys or anything like that. Or just like, you know, he likes to overpower, not not like over, like overstep his uh, head coaches, you know, authorities. That's like, that's the, the narrative that, you know, people outside of the Cowboys organization. So I would like to get you guys to take, you know, who's behind the scenes to see, you know, you, you guys see more than what we see. And um, is that a fair, you know, narrative to go by, or you know, is it not? And if that if that's the case, do you think a guy like Chris Richard, you know, like you said the other day, Nick, you think a guy like Chris Richard would be a perfect fit if you know Jason Garrett doesn't get it done or anything like that? So that's all I had, and uh, you know, y'all keep up the good work. Thanks, right, thanks for it. Well, there's one thing that you have to realize. I mean, yes, Jerry, uh, you know, he he's his stamp is on this team. Of course, he he owns it. He's the general manager. He's the president. Um, and, and but you got to realize that the the head coach of this organization, it's not for everyone. It's not like every other place. If you don't understand that, you don't buy into it, then it's not going to be for you. That's just simple as simple as that. I mean, and and here's a guy that played for the Cowboys. He understands, and he was he played for the Cowboys when they were winning Super Bowls. So he gets where where, where this franchise is. He gets that 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 football is not the only part of this whole thing. There there's there's money involved. There there's sponsorships. There's a lot going on. If you if you want to buck the system, then this isn't for you. And so, but but to answer your question, I'm yes. I think Garrett. You look around. Garrett's stamp is on this team as well. I mean, a lot of the things. That, that, that are happening, but just remember that 
if, if so if a new coach comes in and maybe you'll get a chance to see how, how things work but you might you may not get to practice on that practice field on Tuesday morning like you want to because there's something else going on that just that's just reality right. that happens you better be used to it i will and and i absolutely think that works in jason garrett's favor he get i mean yeah. at just across all platforms the dallas cowboys are a show mm-hmm. and, and they just are and i mean if you're a fan i hope you understand that because you're the benefactors of that to yeah. some degree cuz you get yeah. this right totally. you get these kinds of programming that we, that we were able to do <laughs> i think it this. it absolutely <laughs> works in jason garrett's favor that he understands that but Jerry Jones, like, it's not like Jerry Jones has a set type of coach that he's willing to hire. Look across the hires he's made. Like, he's covered the whole spectrum. Like, I, mean, I barely even remember the Jimmy Johnson Cowboys, but I know how fiery he was. Yep. Bill, Bill Parcells, are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, and then you got a guy like Wade Phillips, who's like the chillest dude ever, and Jason Garrett, who's somewhere in between. Like, Jerry Jones, at the, at the end of the day, I mean, the, the Dallas Cowboys are a show and always will be, but Jerry Jones wants to win. He's going to hire whoever he thinks is going to help him do that. No yeah. other no other franchise can continue to rise in their net worth like this and not not be successful in the postseason. Yeah. It's, just, it's, it's just the way yeah. that it is. Let, let me give you guys a shameless plug on this. Uh, there's a, a documentary. We were running out our first uh, of four Deep Blue documentaries this week. Uh, we'll have one every week for the next four weeks. And the one that's going to run this Wednesday, uh, it's called Parcells Last Ride. And it talks about uh, Parcells coming to the Cowboys. Uh, really great documentary. Uh, Kent Garrison, who produces this show, uh, was the editor for that. Uh, Rob Phillips wrote uh, the documentary. Uh, but really, really good. And the reason why I bring it up is because I think when you go and you listen to Parcells, Nick, you've had an opportunity to interview Parcells about his time here. The one thing you always hear from, from Parcells was I lo- he always says, I loved working for Jerry yeah. Jones. And so when people have that narrative of, well, a strong head coach would never want to work for Jerry Jones, you find me a head coach that's stronger than, than Bill Parcells. And for him to say, hey, I loved working with Jerry Jones, I think that narrative is, I think it's a little bit um, incorrect. I think Jerry, like you said, he's had a lot of different kinds of coaches. Uh, but I, don't, I think Jerry can work with different kinds of people. And, and the other thing I'll point out real quick is I can only speak from my personal experience. I work a lot with their family in, the, in my job. The one thing I will say about it is in every person that I have that's a peer of mine that runs a particular part of the business, we all say the same thing, which is the great part about working for the Jones family is they allow you to do your job. Like they're not the kind that are going to be like, you're supposed to be the expert, but no, don't do what you're saying. Do what I tell you to do. They're always like, "How do? what do you think about this? I'm going to defer there. If they have opinions, they definitely make it known. And there's sometimes they're like, hey, I really think we ought to go this way. But it's not like they, they say – hey, I'm going to just jump over your opinion on this. You're supposed to be the expert. You go do it the way you want it. And I have no reason to believe that they would do something different than that with the football coach. Yeah, well, and obviously, I mean, it doesn't showcase everything that happens. I'm sure there are moments where Jerry Jones lets his voice be heard. But right. you go watch All or Nothing. I, those coaches, you know, the Monday recap meetings were so fascinating to me because – Jerry's like almost meek in those. He's like, okay, coach, you got you got the floor. Right. Like, what do you, you know? Like, he's just he kinda, defers to him in front just, of his in front yeah. of his coaches, which you know that is not the famous image of Jerry Jones. Like, I mean, to listen to the narrative, you think he's up there diagramming plays and like telling Jason who's going to get how many snaps in the game. I right. I don't think it's like that at all. All right, let's take another call. We had a call this time from. Hold on, just a second. Dang it, Kent. Who we got? Yeah. Stan in DC. Stan, Stan in DC. Sorry. Hey, what's going on, fellas? Hey, Stan Amber. Hey. Um, 
I got two quick questions for you guys. One is when I checked out this guy Antoine Woods, I thought he was going to be an easy cut. And then we see the fight, and then I started noticing from YouTube, you know, some of the people showing, uh, you know, what's going on at camp. I noticed that he gets a real good push up the field. And I was going to see, you know, what you guys' take was on that, as well as um, Jordan Lewis. Uh, I need to know some more information. What's going on with this Jordan Lewis-AB battle? Because uh, I keep seeing AB on the field. I don't see Jordan Lewis on the field as much. So I'll sit back and listen to what you guys say and your thoughts, and thanks for having me. All right, thanks for the call. Well, I mean, if, you, if you're going to hit Travis Frederick in the face, um, then then basically what what you're saying is is that you're you're willing to fight everybody. I mean that he's he's the anchor of that offensive line, and and you know he basically said. If you want to fight, let's fight. So he hit him in the face. I mean, that's but 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 there's more to it than that. <laughs> he's not just pl- he's not just doing that. Yeah. You know, um, he he's actually he's 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 pushing Travis Frederick back. He's winning battles against an All Pro like that. And I don't think we're gonna see any regression out of out of Frederick. I think this guy has got some strength. He's a big guy, and and. That's what they need on that offensive line. They need they need a guy that can get up the field, but they certainly need someone that, that that's big. And so he's, defensive line. He's that. What yeah. I say? You said offensive line. Oh you yeah, mean, sorry. Defensive, defensive line. Yeah. He needs, and we need a one technique guy that that can also stop the run in there. So we'll see. I mean, he, he's bounced around. He's been cut two or three times. I mean, I will say this. Uh, sorry, Nick. But I'm good. Um, just like wide receiver, every year there's a D tackle. That I mean, Lewis Neal last year. Uh, Chanel Jenkins, Rodney Coe was a guy that a lot of people had eyes on. There's always and you know Willie you, Blade. You see the you wow. see the one on one pass rush drills, so you get to see these guys win Dale a lot just by nature mm-hmm. of it. He's looked good. I'm not ready to put him on the team, but I will say, if there's a spot where, <laughs> I mean, it's D, it's got to be D tackle if there's a spot. Yeah, there's yeah. opportunity. I mean, yeah. it's thin. Um, Jordan Lewis and AB is interesting to me because that that much like Dak, that is another Twitter controversy that you know, I mean. The third-round pick uh, who played well last year can't get in the starting lineup over A.B. Uh, A-B I don't think A.B.'s been terrible, but he's certainly lost his fair share of battles out here. You okay with A.B. as a nickname? <laughs> You're, I mean, A.B. is Antonio Brown. Sure. But, I mean, uh, <laughs> Anthony is just such a – it's it's a mouthful. We've just call here, him Ant. We've been here too long. It's a mouthful. Because A.B. is mm. still throwing a jersey in Parcells' face to me. Oh, oh yeah, A.B. Yeah. is still Antonio Bryant. But, yeah, Anthony Brown. Um. Anyway, I I get it. He's a third round pick, and you know we know Chris Richard likes his tall cornerbacks, and there, uh, there's a theory that maybe that's why he can't get in the lineup. I don't know. I think Jordan has looked good. I would like to see him with the ones. Fortunately for us, he's going to get a shot because Cheeto's not practicing right now. Uh, Brown has been on the left side since he got hurt, and and Jordan's been the first team's nickel. So. Maybe he can take advantage of this opportunity. Um, that's going to be interesting, though. At the end of the day, I have a hard time losing sleep about it because you can never have too many corners. Mm-hmm. And injuries play a role. And for as mad as people want to get about it in training camp, if Brown is bad when the games start mattering, he will get replaced. And I mean, not only that's that, the way this works. The one thing that we've seen about this defense, and I don't know if it changes with Chris, Chris Richard here, but – it seems like in past years they'll rotate those corners around a little yeah. bit, and they'll, they'll get those guys on the field. So I don't think it's a situation where because Jordan's not a part of the starting three, 
he won't be on the field. I think he's going to get some yeah. opportunities to play, and that's Just a great thing to have. you got four really solid keep, corners. Keep giving me solid And you're playing against these teams that have all these really great wide receivers. You're going to need that. So I, I actually think that's on, a great thing. I don't, August, I don't look at that as a bad thing. On August Especially 6th. If you I'm, don't have that safety. True. Every <laughs> freaking show. Every show. We had to bring it up. I just, I, I'm not ready to lose sleep about position battles on August 6th. We'll no see doubt. how it shakes out. All right, guys. We appreciate you joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. These guys will be back tomorrow. Amber will be hosting. You guys oh. will get a chance to hear about all the stuff that's happening out here. Heading into the uh, first preseason game this Thursday against the San Francisco 49ers. Till then, for Nick Eaton, Dave Hellman, Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagles, and this has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com. Radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about-